Five, four, three, two, one. We're live. Hello, doctor. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you? Ah, good. Yeah, good. Having a, a nice day. So uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast. So, um, yeah, tell us all about your research you're doing at the moment. It's unbelievably fascinating. So I'm looking forward to sitting back and listening. You can take the floor for the next two or three minutes. Okay. So I'm an architect. I did a PhD in Dublin in architecture. And I uh, went there to work with Dr. Gerald Mills, who's a, a, a geographer and urban climatologist, whose work was around the role of built form influencing urban climates. I was interested in his work from the role of uh, how built form influences urban climates and in turn how that influences building energy management. After completing my PhD at Gerald and myself um, created a walk around the city of London where we became interested in three buildings. The first one was 110 Bishop's Gate, um, also known as the Heron Tower. The second one was the uh, 20 Fenchurch Street, the Walkie Talkie. And yep. the third one was the Strada Tower um, at the Elephant and Castle. And together we thought that these three buildings told a really interesting story around uh, the shortcomings of um, our current approach towards building energy management uh, and urban regeneration. Okay, for the, I suppose, put, put a human perspective on it, what, what are you trying to achieve? Obviously you're studying air pollution and the effects obviously build form has to do with that. So maybe if we can just put it in a human perspective, um, I know I, I done the climate walk with you um, a couple of weeks ago, and we'll get into that later. But tell us the actual human problem you're tackling. So um, we're interested in the way that built form, the fo- the form a building takes, the structure of a building, uh, the form, so yeah. the footprint, regardless of how high it is, yeah. how that influences the energy, so the heating and the cooling loads and the daylighting. Mm. We're also interested in, if it's a tall building or a large building, how it influences the energy, the heating and cooling loads of a a surrounding building. And we're also interested in how those built forms together influence access to passive resources such as sunshine, ventilation. So the interdependent relationship between these three outcomes of building in the wider context or in the urban context. And from your research Tell us some of the concerns we have in London. Well, the first one is a really nice story, I think, and that was with 20 Fenchurch Street, a.k.a. the walkie-talkie that fried a jag in the street. And now, for, for, everyone, for any listener, the walkie-talkie is located right in the heart of the city of London, one of the most renowned skyscrapers for listeners who might be back in Ireland or America or wherever you are abroad. Yeah. To, it's a famous building in London. But continue, continue. It's, a fa- it's famous for the wrong for the wrong reasons because... The f- I had a couple of good nights out in there, so <laughs> it, uh, we, we can't be harsh on it too much. Yeah, I, quite, I quite like it myself. Yeah. But the curved facade focused the solar beam and created a laser beam which fried uh, a car. And um, it a, a car. Yeah, it melted parts of the car. The cafe over the road thought that it was on, thought that it was on fire, and vac- evacuated uh, all of the people out of the shop. And what t- what singed t- a, bur- a barber's. What type of car is it again? Is it? Jag. A jag. Mm, it's a famous story. People oh. were frying eggs in the streets and all sorts of things. When, when was this? This was um, the second of September two thousand and thirteen. Oh, it's kind of recent. 
uh, like it's only six or seven years ago. I like, <laughs> I thought this was going back a long time ago. No, Jesus, no, imagine no. on that jag again. Yeah, so. I'm sure he plenty money to get something else if you park in a jag by the walkie-talkie <laughs> building. <laughs> So it's a really good story. So uh, I remember the date because it was the day I was in Dublin uh, collecting my PhD with Gerald Mills and all our work kind of came together at that moment. So it seemed like a very um, key moment for us. The, the car, the, the building that we'd been looking at was suddenly on the news, headline uh, headlines around the world about this incredible built form effect. Yeah. So it got us the attention that we needed. Mm. to start really being taken seriously in the in the types of things that we were talking about how buildings the form of buildings are really are really powerful and can significantly influence the surrounding uh, yeah, infrastructure for sure when i done your climate walk when you showed me the different buildings um i suppose one area was what i was interested in on the air pollution side of it was i forget what tower it was but you were saying it was designed in a way that if the wind hits kind of maybe three quarters to the top, the wind will spiral over it rather than back under it. And you need, for air pollution reasons, for to, to make it more efficient for everyday walkers, you need it, the wind coming back down onto the street and blow up the street, correct? Something like that, yes. So as a general rule of thumb, if you have a building, a tall building, in a landscape, if it's in an open field or in an urban environment. When the wind hits the surface, as a general rule of thumb, the top third will go over the top of the building and the bottom two thirds will go down to ground level. We've been measuring air quality and temperature in the city of London for several years now. And what we have found is near the base of many of the tall buildings that depending on the direction of the wind, the um, when the, hin- the wind hits the building, it drops down and vents the street of heat and pollution, which means that what we have um, noticed is that around tall buildings, particularly those with low levels of traffic, the air quality is significantly improved to other areas of a sim- similar levels of traffic. Yeah, and tell me that when we done the walk, just say I'm heading west on heading west of Finsbury Square just for people heading west towards Oxford Circus Covent Garden heading towards that way that um, the air is a lot fresher kind of filled up your lungs yeah. just kind of that by Finsbury Square and then you walk east towards Liverpool Street Station yeah. and it's like you're after smoking a box of John Player Blue yeah, yeah. Yes. so tell us tell us maybe deep dive into that so that's Ropemaker Place and Eldon Street which is just uh, to the north of the city of London and at one end of the street, uh, the street's 15 metres wide. At one end of the street, you have Ropemaker Place, where you have a small cluster of tall buildings. To the east of the street, near Liverpool Street Station, you have a very typical narrow street, which is um, higher on the south side than it is on the north side. The buildings are taller um, and create a wall. But as the air passes over the top of the buildings, it doesn't necessarily have the uh, distance between the buildings for the air to be able to get inside of the street to help vent it of the uh, of any pollution. Mm. So any pollution that gets in there could be stuck there until there's a big gust of air from somewhere else to blow it out. And Julia, what's your plan with this research? Do you want to promote this and raise awareness in highly congested cities around the world? Or what is the actual objective here so we need to um currently uh 
around 80, 75, 80% of buildings already exist. In 2050, already exist now. So that's about around 75 to 80% of buildings that will exist in 2050 exist now. So that means between now and 2050, we're going to build around 20, 25% of our built environment. And so every building has to count. So the key message here is really we have to stop looking at buildings as if they were individual entities or standalone buildings. But we have to ask the question of where does the boundary of the building lie? Currently, when we do our building energy management, we consider the envelope to the boundary to end at the envelope. But our work has demonstrated that actually the boundary lies in the wider ex in the wider environment. It no longer can be considered to end at the building envelope, but extends. Currently, we don't really understand how far-reaching many of these effects are. So what we would like to do is set up the city as a kind of a lab, so we can start to measure and understand these effects in more detail. For sure. And I was reading one of your research papers um, and was in that research paper you sent me uh, a week or so ago, but the height of buildings, you said the height of buildings uh, and increased height in buildings for the future can have a very negative impact on what you're trying to raise. But I'm just saying, looking from a practicality side, we have to have um, high buildings, especially in London and places like Dublin who and the Irish public in general are kind of given out because of our reluctancy to build up. But you saying from your research that um, increasing heights and buildings can have a negative impact on... It can also have a positive impact. For example, it helps to vent streets of um, heat and pollution. Mm. Um, it can be a very efficient way of using space. It can free up space at land, at ground level, so we can plant trees and improve the... Um, to improve the quality of that space. The, what we need to learn how to do is to manage the airflow off of buildings so it can be con in a controlled way, so we can understand how to vent streets of heat and pollution without knocking people over when they're, when they're walking around. That's quite possible. There's lots of examples on the walk where we show how that, how that can work. Yeah, for sure. And for, I suppose, cities that can't deal with the problem um obviously it's it's a tough one if the buildings are already there um but what is the solution is it like build more trees or you see them green um gardens at the top of buildings what's the kind of so what kind of solution can these management companies or, or these organizations do to to help support what you're doing it's a good question so vegetation is really important um but it has to be the right tree in the right place so if you have a heavily congested road, it's generally acknowledged that it's not necessarily a good idea to have trees and cars together in the same place because a lot of the pollution gets trapped under the trees. A solution would be to see if you can send the, tra the, the traffic somewhere else. Gerald Mills did a very interesting study on trees in Dublin, which I'll, I can send you the details of, to show that trees are very valuable in terms of improving our our built environment but we ha they have to be in the right place and if we go more into the right place when I was on your walk I remember there was a certain part of the walk that you said one person pointed out that you know we get trees either side and you were like no we have to keep it on one side of the road which is quite a fascinating point yes. and why Why you probably mentioned it already why Why is that you say is that to uh, differentiate the cars from the trees 
No, it's so um, the the pollution doesn't get trapped mm. underneath the trees and in the streets that we're walking around in. So if you have um, you have to place the tree if you place the trees to one side or if you have a wall, there's more room in the street for the air to move and to be vented out of the street. If it's very congested, lots of overhanging trees, lots of dense buildings, and there's no way that the air can move around in the street then the ideal situation would be to move the cars out of that street and allow if you have a if you have stagnant air that's fine as long as you're not putting a uh, pollutant into that stagnant air into that source so you need to keep the air as fresh as possible other areas are completely suitable for um, traffic well, not completely suitable but um, more suitable should we say because the airflow is faster through them and they're not necessarily very comfortable for pedestrian uh, movement and they make good um they offer good opportunities for venting heat and pollution out of the streets mm. and julie i discussed this on your walk um and it was about the property developer side who obviously at the moment are being hit with a lot of carbon efficiency regulations and we still live in a world where countries uh, oppose to climate change which is is crazy and I, I was thinking that with your research and it's wonderful research and I'm all for carbon efficiency and building a, a more sustainable environment but we have to be practical too and we're only coming to terms with uh, more carbon efficient supplies and all that goes into constructing new buildings but your research is kind of creating maybe another equation or a, another problem for property developers who just want to build and get the money fast and maybe decreasing their margins at the beginning. I'm just saying, would you like to maybe get stuck into that? Yes. So it's a, it is a it is an issue. But at this stage, we're not telling people how to resolve the issues. We're just trying to understand them before we start to tell people what it is that we need to do to be able to resolve them. There's lots of really positive things about the city of London, its location in Greater London. Um, uh, that we need to explore and understand in more detail before we start saying if you do this, this will happen, or if you do that, that will happen. We just need more um, research at this at this point. Have you seen much resistance in your work? Have, have much people kind of came up as opposition? There's always somebody who has something to say that would find it um, uh, could fi- would find what we're saying as a barrier. But generally speaking, um, people find it really interesting. Um, I get people coming up to me all the time saying, oh, I went on one of your walks. It was really good. It changed the way I saw cities. So uh, that's nice to have that kind of... uh, um, But you want a bit more than that. Well, I'd like to have the research, the proper... uh, To set it up to have a proper lab so we can really explore what's going on, really understand these effects before we start making decisions about carbon efficiency. And... is one of your aims is to work with, to say, these construction and absolutely uh, organisations, yes. yeah, yes, building new cities. You'd yes. like to kind of get involved in that yes. side of it. In the Middle East, they have they have buildings kind of they're nearly more up to date in the Middle East than they are here, which is, I suppose, a bit more, a bit easier because they're just building new cities out there. Um, obviously, London is just an ancient city, but looking at the research side in general, it must be. You must have a lot of down days. Like it's a quite, it's quite isolating because you're probably one of the few researching this area. 
Yes. Um, well, there's lots to be there's lots to be done. I, I'm an architect, which makes yeah. me an optimistic person. We generally are. It's part of our it's part of our character. Do you need to be? I guess. Um, and I really like my job. I like being in the city. I like walking around. Today, I was out with. Um, the Institute of Civil Engineers. We were out there this morning. It, it was freezing cold and um, it was great talking to people about the different situations that we, different challenges that we face and how do we how we can overcome them and putting this stuff together. So I really enjoy, I really enjoy what yeah, I do. That part, when I done the walk with you, you looked at London just through a completely different lens because you walk down uh, Moorgate and Finsbury Square and you're just going to uh, going to a meeting or getting a coffee or meeting a friend for a pint or whatever you're doing. But like that walk just completely opened a new chapter or a new lens to look at London. It, it's, it, it's, it's crazy, really. Um, so let's give listeners a deeper understanding of what you do on the, on the walk. And like from the minute... You meet, like I like the way you introduce people at the start. You kind of have to give a bit about bit about your background and why you're here. I, I really thought that was a nice touch. And then you kind of go straight into it. And you have a real step-by-step approach because I know you, you, you like to do it in blocks and you don't skip back and forth. It's kind of stage by stage, which I noticed. Um, maybe you just do that naturally without noticing. I don't know, but I just thought it was well put together. Well, there's a lot of work that's gone into the walk. It's very well co- choreographed. Um, there's a whole series, uh, there's a framework behind it that explores a vast range of different outcomes of built form on the wider environment. But I have a question for you. You say that you, uh, it was a new lens for you. What did it change? How has it changed the way that you've walked down streets and exp- explore your urban environment? This road out here, for example, how do you feel now when you do you see this in a different way? Do you experience this in a different way? I always found like Ealing West London it's kind of touch of countryside a, a touch of urban um, I'm just looking at solely I suppose from a, maybe a, an individual personal point of view I just walked down that street by Liverpool Street Station and thought it was normal and when when I went down four or five hundred yards past that and you showed me the differences I couldn't believe just the notice in my lungs just from breathing and then you go back down that street again and I know it just feels like just phlegm and as I said, it's like you're after smoking 20 John Player Blue cigarettes. Um, but then again, you are looking at diff- different buildings a, a small bit more um, closely. And when I was in the city the other day, you just kind of maybe take notice of different wind uh, acceleration I suppose and areas that feel a bit more dense and a bit more it's humid as cold it is but I, I for now obviously I have way more to research but just from a personal point of view I'm noticing winds a bit more I'm noticing uh, building designs a bit more and I suppose that's just the start of it for me really you know but I got that's a lot for me you know if I can walk down the street with somebody else and just say look at the difference it might get someone else intrigued you know so that's good so that's what it's designed to do the walk is about disseminating some very significant science to to people in the built environment whether they're involved in the construction industry themselves or around the periphery or if they're just uh, people who live in the city so one of the uh, group we do the walk for 
we've done the walk for hundreds of people, but one of the groups that we find that enjoy it the most are the gardeners. So they come along on a Saturday morning and uh, there might be teachers or just uh, um, working shops, but they're interested in gardening and we do this with them maybe once a year and they love it. So they just really have some really great questions and they really enjoy it. On Saturday, we d- I did the walk with the guys from the city centre in New London Architecture. And again, they have a completely different perspective, but really enjoyed the the, the uh, outcomes. And although they're very involved in the city, saw the city in a different way. So it, it has a broad appeal, I think. The walk is a really good way of exploring the city. And one of the things that we hope to do is to... St- get the framework set up so we can do this in all cities around the world to understand the dynamics of the city the dynamics between the built form and the atmosphere in a way that everybody understands so we've been successful i think yeah and to implement this obviously it's going to be a slow burner um we just need the funding. We, we just, just need, need the funding. Tell me about the funding side. Well, what way does that work? <laughs> well, the funding is the funding is because it's an emerging field of research. It's quite difficult to, um, to to get the funding, which is going to more traditional, sustainable, and carbon. Um, you could nearly crowd projects. fund something like this. Pardon? You could nearly crowdfund and Kickstarter or something well, like this. Well, yes, but it, we could. But it's finding the right the right way to do it. So. Um, and I'm an architect. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a uh, business manager. I need a business manager if there's one out there who wants to come and work with me. Yeah, that's we'll, great. We'll, have, we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat after. <laughs> so that's we're always looking for people. No, you to need j- someone better than me. <laughs> <laughs> we're always looking to, for people to join our team who would be interested in in um, evolving the project. But I can imagine there's a lot of. Um private construction companies will be interested because it looks well for their brand as well to be supporting this research. Well, we're interested in talking to anybody who would be interested. Just coming, uh, just to come along on the on the walk it would be great. They can contact you, and you know where I am. No, I, I for sure I put you in touch if I if I can. And obviously, your research is very London focused. Are you just going to focus on conquering London first and, and move to other cities, or what is? The, are you like I know you've done your research um, out of UCD, wasn't it? Yeah, I did that research at UCD, yes. Well, at the moment, we're looking at Birmingham as a possible next step. I've also run the uh, walk in Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is a great place, completely different. Um, We're hoping to do it in Barcelona as well with another colleague um, later in the summer. But for you to do that, that's an awful lot of your time researching that before you just implement it. It's not not a click of a finger. That's a lot of work to do. Yes, it is a lot of work. Yes, yes. But So we're looking at cities that already have a lot of climate data there, so we can can talk about London in that way because and partly because there's a lot of research that's been done into London's urban climate London's urban heat island the microclimate effects we know lots about it the air quality already there's a loads of work that we can we that we can look at to um, understand what's going on and also um, the at a global level the International Association of Urban Climatologists or climate uh, have done some amazing work on um, built form, and together as a as a as a group of people, they've that they've covered quite a lot of ground. So Good it kind stuff. of makes it easier. Good stuff. Um, last question. Jeez, time has gone fast, and this one is really for the masses and friends of mine who might be listening. What is the air like in London for just all of us people working in the city? What are we breathing every day? Is this 
is it a badly contaminated city in that regards or just I'd like to get your point of view just a good mass appealing question what is the actual air like walking through London City well it depends on a day to day basis there are places that you should avoid as well heavy congested streets um, should always be avoided Um, streets with um, generally speaking streets which are uh, vary in width and building height they usually have better air quality than streets which are uh, of an equal width and an an equal height where the air doesn't doesn't get moved around so much so when you're walking around if you could there's um you can walk around the back streets there's um all sorts of organizations which will give you this information like tranquil city and go jaunty these are um these are groups uh, that have actually mapped the more um the less polluted routes but their work is based on um the city wide data where our work is um based on measured data so we're trying to look at the finer detail where they're looking at the bigger picture perfect i really enjoyed that julie i think uh this could be a part two part three part four because we could go on all night here but we have to finish with this one um but we'd have to go again in the future and uh, move on to uh, another discussion but thanks a lot for coming in and i hope you enjoyed being on the show because i really enjoyed having you and uh yeah we'll chat to you soon thanks for uh, asking me along thank you no very worries. much take care